Why is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackvine, joined, I'd say every Friday at this point, by my main men, Nick Martin and Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're seven and four. They host the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. A, a matchup that some are calling a trap game. Maybe we had the conversation before we jumped on here. Is a trap game even possible with this Pittsburgh Steelers team? Are they good enough to be considered a trap game candidate? We'll dive into our keys to victory for this matchup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Some very interesting words from Ben Roethlisberger on Matt Canada and how he approached coaching the offense and really the quarterbacks, which is the most important position for an offensive coordinator. Some interesting quarterback debate here between Kenny Pickett and a potential trade candidate this upcoming offseason. And as always, our predictions for week 13. Nick, I'll start with you. It is a rainy day here in the Berg. I don't know how it is down in good old North Carolina, but... How you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling decent, but uh, the weather today um, is actually supposed to get a little bit rainier as the as the day goes on. But uh, the best thing about tonight, obviously, is going to be the Pac-12 championship oh, as yeah. a huge college football fan. So pump for that. Pump that we get football the, almost the entire weekend. So looking forward to that. You, uh, you got a winner in that one. And who is your favorite quarterback in that matchup? Oh, man, this one's a tough one because I think Bo Nix might have the more translatable like upside as opposed to Michael Penix because they Penix can sometimes his placement can go way all over the place, especially the past few weeks. Yeah, but I'm going to say Oregon wins because I think Dan Lanning really wants this game and he's been really got his guys fired up like the past few weeks. But Kalen DeBoer and company are going to be a tough are going to be tough to beat because they are so well coached. It is uh, it is going to be a good time. I was telling you guys that Donnie Droon, old buddy, flies in at 11 p.m., so I'm going to miss just the peak time of this uh, Pac-12 championship matchup. It is a rainy one out here in the Berg. You're experiencing it yourself there, Stephen. How uh, how you feeling, my friend? Who you, uh, who you got winning this game? Do you think they cover the 10-point spread? Well, I think the rain is a good sign for us. I think that speaks well to my boys from Seattle. I, I'm all in on the dogs. I love I love future Patriot Michael Penix. I'm really excited for him to show what he can do on such a big stage like this. Um, I think Washington's like a team of destiny, quite honestly. I've been I've been in on them since the beginning of the year. So I'm I'm all in on Washington. Give me all the points. I took them on the money line. Like this is we're all about the dogs in, in my house. You you went you went money line Washington as well on this one. You're thinking they yeah. sweep the series, the season series in this bad boy. That's right. That's right. I do. I wow. just I just think they're a team of destiny. You know, I just have a feeling. So you think that they win it all? You think they're a team destiny? They they take the championship. Like yeah, I'm talking I, national I championship. Don't know about, I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> Georgia exists. <laughs> Georgia does exist. Georgia does exist. That uh, it will be a good time. I'm very excited for it. The 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 beginning of a great weekend of this is. I, this might be the best, like the best weekend of college football or of football in general in a in a long, long time. Most of the season, I would say, and college football has brought us some some great weekends this year. It is it has been a good year of college football. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, people will still be excited for. I don't even know what the Arizona Cardinals record is, but it's definitely one two to and, two two wins. I two believe they're eight, two I and believe. ten. Yeah, yeah, oh, two and ten. Yeah, yeah, two and ten. Good time for the. Uh, 
Arizona Cardinals. Still, Steelers fans will uh, they'll get excited. They'll have a great matchup on Sunday. We'll dive into that. Let's start with the biggest news to come out of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last 48 hours. They, uh, they placed a bid for the NFL draft. The 2026 and the 2027 NFL draft could be hosted in the city of Pittsburgh. Steven, let's start with you. You'll be out here for it. How cool would a draft be in the city of Pittsburgh? It would be great. I would love it. Um, I was just thinking about like where they might do it, though. You know, like I remember, you know, last year in Kansas City, they had it in what, like an old train station, right? Yeah. Like that that was looked really cool. But I remember in like a few years ago, they did uh, they did it in Nashville, but they did it outdoors, like on the yeah, street. it was on Broadway, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like why not bring it down to my neighborhood? Do it on Carson Street, baby. Let's let's uh <laughs> let's do it right down here. I would I would love it. I could just walk right down to walk down two blocks to to go see it. But no, I That's think it, I think it'd be I think you it'd be ahead. really cool. Uh I think like they have I, I am just curious about where they would do it. Because it'd probably be like Heinz Field, right? Like it would or Acrisure, like that's yeah, what I'd have I, to assume. I've heard it was gonna be on the North Shore. It'd be over and like that general facility, which in like, that's like, that's a great way to like, if you go to tailgates there, you realize mm-hmm. how great that street could be. Plus like rounded out onto the bridges, a little concerning that the Pittsburgh Steelers are that the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, I remember when the bridge fell and the reports came out that like 75% of the bridges in Pittsburgh were like ready to collapse. And everybody's like, Oh, great. That would be really good to have thousands and thousands of people just chilling on that bridge for three days. But I'm sure that they would, they would figure that out. Nick, City of Pittsburgh hosting the draft. How exciting could things get? Oh man, uh, they've been hosting them in some of like the different cities, like ever since like I think it was 2014. Yeah, and Chicago got it one year. Philadelphia, Cleveland, you know, Kansas City. All these like great like these long historical franchises, and that like how can you not want to do it if Pitts- in Pittsburgh w- w- with one of the greatest organizations of all time? I mean, no bias here whatsoever. <laughs> and I mean, the city of Pittsburgh, they got some of the most re- re- insane fans, especially NFL oh, yeah. draft fans. So, like, I would I, I, I would love to see that. That, and I also want to see Lambeau Field after that for the Packers because yes. we got we to see, see some of the two most historical, like, franchises in, in all football. You know, I'm pretty sure – I'm pretty sure Wisconsin has it in 2025 – when I was yeah. looking it up. So to go, what's this year? This year's Detroit, which, you know, Detroit, historic city. I'm sure that they'll have some great music venues going on there um, or some music talent going on there. Detroit, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh would be one hell of a run there. That'd be yes. that'd be a great time for the NFL. Plus, that I feel like Pittsburgh's so centrally located. I mean, it's really not. But if for some places, it definitely is. Like, you could come here from Cincinnati. You could come here from Cleveland. Philly's a couple hours away. You come there from there. Uh, Detroit's not super far. You could come up from Baltimore. Indianapolis is really in the middle of nowhere compared to anywhere, but definitely still a drive. It's doable for a lot of cities. I feel like you could, you can make the most out of this. Plus, I mean, we know the city of Pittsburgh, man. You tell them to party. They're going to party and they're going to have a good time. Things will be fine. East Carson Street might might concern me a little bit, nah, just because like nah, I feel great. like. Every couple of weeks, we're having a conversation about like, are you safe down there? Are you are things okay? I feel like three yeah. days. Yeah, it'd be fine. Three... It'd be fine. <laughs> we'll see. I would. Uh, I would. I would love to see the NFL draft in the city of Pittsburgh. I have a hard time believing that the NFL looks at them and says, "Now nah, we're gonna go somewhere else." Like, no, we'll go to Houston or. Uh... 
I don't even know what else they could. I'm out of six. Like they went to they went to Detroit. They went to Nashville. They've been to Kansas City. They've been to Chicago. They've been to New York. Like go to Pittsburgh. They've been to Philadelphia. They've been to Cleveland. Go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's uh, Pittsburgh's where it's at. We'll see. They decide that in March or May. So we got quite a bit of time to uh, to find out what's going on with the NFL draft. But exciting stuff for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's continue this conversation with. I mean, the other big news that came out in the last two days, Ben Roethlisberger on the latest episode of his podcast, Footballin' with all Steelers, had some uh, very interesting things to say about Matt Canada, the way Matt Canada went about coaching the offense. He kind of made it known and admitted that Canada wasn't always, hey, I'm I'm going to go work with the quarterbacks and it's my job to be this close with Ben Roethlisberger or Kenny Pickett, it was more so like, hey, go work with Mike Sullivan. That's your quarterback's coach. I'm just going to be the coordinator. This is what he uh, he had to say about the situation, right or wrong. Maybe it was just the way he does it. Maybe he just didn't want to do it with me. I don't really know that. That was the first time I felt like I wasn't working directly with the coordinator. It seems weird. Maybe, excuse me, maybe that is why Kenny feels more comfortable with Mike Sullivan. Maybe The same thing was going on where Matt was more removed. I'm the coordinator. I'll coordinate. You work with Sully. Later in the the conversation, he said, quarterback coaches are the go-between when you are butting heads with the coordinator. I've always worked closely with the coordinator, even when I had a quarterback coach. I didn't feel that way with Matt. It almost felt like Matt wanted to let the quarterback coach coach me. I feel like big, strong words from Ben Roethlisberger on this one, especially considering, I mean, Kenny Pickett was probably the only lifeline Matt Canada had towards the end of this one. Steven, we'll start with you. You hear those words. What were your thoughts on the situation? Does it does it add any clarity about what was going on with Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett, and the offense? I mean, I, I guess clarity might not be the word, but I think it might explain a couple of things. I mean, when Ben Roethlisberger is your quarterback, I feel like the situation's a little different. You don't need someone to develop him as closely. You know, that guy was yeah. pretty much a finished product. Uh, with Kenny, it's a completely different story, you know? Uh, you you need someone there, I feel like, as a young quarterback. You need an older mentor to kind of always be there for you and to always be able to answer questions and to always be kind of tied into what the rest of the offense is doing. At least I feel like, uh, and Matt Canada wasn't there. If he wasn't willing to be there, wasn't, you know, willing to, or just in the position to stand right by his Kenny side and bring him along all the way through this process. That's a little concerning. Um, yeah. I mean, not as concerning now that he's gone, but, um, I don't know. It just feels like a, uh, uh, it feels like kind of ignoring a, a pretty big responsibility for the offensive coordinator. I mean, as soon as they brought Kenny in, felt like it was pretty clear that, you know, his development was kind of paramount to the success of the organization moving forward. Um, yeah. Like, the, like, obviously, there's an offense to coordinate, and there's a lot of players who participate in the offense, but, look, the quarterback is the the focal point of it. Uh, it's the most important play, position on the field. Um it is a, a delicate position to deal with. It's a position that requires a lot of developing and a lot of work. Uh, like no one, people rarely come out of college as a, as a perfect, as a perfect quarterback. They need, they need help to develop. So not kind of having the full brain trust behind Kenny uh, yeah. is 
an interesting move and I would argue one that that didn't actually work out, you know, if that's if that's how it actually played out in in practice. Yeah, I agree. Like if the way I looked at it is Kenny is Kenny is the most important piece to this puzzle. It's the most important piece piece to your success as an offensive coordinator. Maybe maybe he was a little bit more tied in than he was with Ben Roethlisberger, but it just didn't make the the whole you get coached by the quarterbacks coach. I'm not going to work that closely. Kind of, I don't know, put a strange taste in my mouth. As in, like, isn't your quarterback going to be the one that you develop an offense around because he's the guy that's the most important piece to the puzzle? But I guess maybe Canada didn't think, didn't think that way. Nick, when you heard this watch this what were your thoughts on uh big ben's words was not shocked in the slightest because <laughs> of how that offense has been throughout the time when you know he was with roethlisberger and with kenny pickett it didn't matter who the quarterback was the middle of the field was always so they were not using it at all under canada not just yeah. that I mean, I get why they didn't use play action under Ben Roethlisberger. It was not something Roethlisberger was always the most comfortable doing. And I get it. He was more comfortable, you know, working out a shotgun. Kenny Pickett is a guy who ran so much play action coming out and is so good at that. And yet they don't, they barely use it at all. And it explains everything because they almost have Kenny doing the things that he's not the most comfortable with. And I'm just like, you know, is there any communication going on between the coordinator and quarterback on this thing? And, you know, Kenny was always, you know, sticking up for Canada. You know, he's going to say the right thing is always, yeah. and, you know, you want that in your franchise quarterback. If, if he is the franchise quarterback, obviously, but yeah. like y- you can't have that level of distance between a young quarter, a young developing quarterback and like uh, an offensive coordinator. I can maybe understand like, you know, a veteran quarterback, you know, they, they might, they might be like more prepared for this type of thing. You know, some coaches could be a little more hands-off and then they defer it to their quarterbacks coaches. And, you know, sometimes it works out, you know, it, but there are coordinators who are way better than Canada that can get away with that type of stuff because they have a great system and things work like they're innovators they're not they're not just guys who borrow from around the league and those are the exceptions of all play callers and even then they still have to figure out if their players are comfortable enough you know there's a difference between like a Kyle Shanahan and an Andy Reid Andy Reid kind of like what he does is he tries to give his players as much autonomy on that offense as much input as they can get. And Kyle Shanahan, he's kind of more of I don't want to say a dictator, but he yeah. He's he's more hands-off and he's more of like this is how I want it done and it works out for him. They both have different styles. Canada is not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. <laughs> that is the way I would try to just describe that the whole that whole relationship is it, he's not good. He wasn't. He didn't have a good enough scheme, and he was hands off with his quarterback. I mean, that's just he he wrote his own he wrote his own obituary there. I mean, yeah, yeah no, that's exactly what it is. Like from what I heard after, excuse me, after Canada left, is that the Steelers. It wasn't Canada and all the coaches coming together to formulate a game plan. It was Canada has a game plan. 
you follow that game plan. And that's kind of why, you know, adjustments were never made is because Canada kind of viewed it as this is my game plan. It's going to work eventually. I feel like, yeah, just like you said, like some coaches are good enough to make that happen. I kind of put blame in a number of places. Like, okay, if you acknowledge that this is how Matt's going about things and he believes that he doesn't have, like he isn't, he, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, yeah, exactly. Like he's, it's his job and only his job to come up with this idea and run the offense. It's a little bit on Mike Tomlin or whoever else to be like, Hey pal, look at this isn't working. You're not there yet. Maybe one day. Cool. But for right now, let's try to figure this thing out. I feel like to wait two and a half years before somebody was like, okay, let's, let's, let's come together. Let's have some more voices in this room was a little ridiculous. Yeah. No, but it makes think, a ton of sense. Go ahead. I think we can all agree that even just looking at the product on the field, it was yes. way past time. But the oh, fact yeah. that like there was all this dissonance and distance between Canada and the coaches and even the players, I mean, how do you not how do you not rectify a situation like that? I mean, it's a bit of an indictment on Tomlin. I love Mike Tomlin, obviously but he does have his flaws. I think he was almost too loyal to Canada to a fault here. Oh, he always, I mean, me, me and Steven have had this conversation more, more than once about how Tomlin was just like way. It, I mean, Tomlin, the way Tomlin avoids problems is, is it's, it's toxic. It's, it's, it's actually toxic. Like it's crazy to listen to a guy talk about things like not living in your fears and, we're going to do this and adversity and all that, and then completely ignore the issues because he believes in his guys so much that it's, that it's a fault. I mean, what's the, we, we know the benefit of this, but Stephen, what is, what's the confidence? Like you come together, you now have a coaching staff that is working hand in hand. I mean, Eddie Faulkner said it yesterday. It was the entire offensive staff that came up with the game plan. Like every single person was in that room coming up with ideas and putting together what they could do you look at this now as like, well, that maybe this is a rebirth of Kenny Pickett. Like maybe this is the first time that an offense is actually built to Kenny Pickett outside of, Hey, let's roll him to the left because he likes to roll to the left. And that is all we're going to do to benefit this guy. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, so it's been, it's been one game um, against a, a pretty de- decent defense, but I don't know if I'm ready to say, you know, Kenny Pickett's back or anything or Kenny Pickett's yeah. been reborn, but I just wonder why, why this stuff wasn't happening in the first place, you know, it's like a pretty obvious thing, but you know, just why wasn't the entire offensive coaching staff with which works with the offense every day, completely involved in, in building it. Um, yes. So I, I don't know. I mean, look, Kenny looked good in, in his first game with, with the new, with the new kind of offensive coaching staff and the, and the new organization. Um, you know, I guess I, I just, you know, I didn't sp- expect any steps forward. Like literally any when after Matt Canada got fired. So I was pretty surprised to see them, you know, despite only putting up 16 points, really take some meaningful steps forward. Um, So I I feel a little lost, you know, I feel like I don't know what to expect from from Kenny because he still is the quarterback that he was. It's just, you know, I I feel like we're not going to actually know. We're not going to actually get a full answer as to how bad, you know, how much Canada dragged this offense back until we're a few weeks down the road and and we're we get a little bit of separation from it yeah nick let me ask you this do you you watch that game 
what did you what did you see that stuck out to you as oh these this is instant changes you know what i mean like this is instant improvements of this is no longer canada's offense so biggest thing was when they came out and did a play action sieve shot to pat fryer move yeah yeah that was a big middle game. finger right to canada 100%. yeah no legitimately <laughs> like the thing that drove me insane about their play action usage under canada is it was always like not setting up big plays or take or taking linebackers out of the middle of the field it was always mm -hmm. towards the sideline and a lot of these like rollout situations and it drove me up a wall benjamin solak of the ringer broke it down like the week uh canada got fired and he did a terrific job of just breaking it down and just he not, not literally just breaking it down, but he broke down as he was watching the bill because it was that bad with with the design and just yeah. like everything going on there. And, you know, that bad that plays in um, from the offensive design, you know, when you get good offensive design, like in the right situation, it's like, and then Kenny doesn't hit it. You say to yourself, is it Kenny? Is it Matt Canada? And yeah. then you watch Kenny like this past week, obviously there's still room for growth in, in that area, but like it felt like he, he knew the coverages they were throwing at him. Like yeah. there was an instance where they called double posts um, versus quarters coverage. And he knew he had quarters like he, and he, you know, he threw the ball. It should have been a touchdown to Deontay Johnson um, in, you know, cause, but Tomlin didn't challenge, but we don't talk about that so much. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he had that exact like he looked that down i remember this was to start the season against cleveland he looked down a a, a quarters beater and they were in pre-snap they were in pre-snap one high coverage they didn't even rotate and he was just glued to it and i was just like okay clearly there's more hands-on direction going on here because Kenny actually knows what he's looking at pre-snap for once. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest difference I saw aside from the tight end usage in the middle of the field play action. I mean, do you think that what, comes from Faulkner's game plan? Do you think that comes from Sullivan being in his ear? Where do you think that comes from that? He's able to read things that he was able to read things. I don't want to say that this is a definitive going to change, but that he was able to read things in that game better than he's been. I think it's just a collective. It's just coaching, working together. It's no one's egos driving driving the ship. And I think mm -hmm. that's the most important part. Sullivan's hands-on with Pickett. Falconer tries to develop the game plan. He re relays it with Mike Sullivan. You know, Sullivan calls the plays because he has experience as a play caller. And I think it's just working well together, at least for the first, you know, the first game without Matt Canada getting over 400 yards of offense. I mean, yeah, that, 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 that's definitely something. And I mean, the performance they had on offense, it, it was kind of weird because they, you said to yourself, they could kind of have scored more that week. If it wasn't for some of the, the turnovers and some of these situations. And it was like, you love the process. And then the results just didn't quite, they weren't quite there. If that makes sense on the scoreboard. But yeah. I, I was at least encouraged. I definitely don't want to overreact, though, after one week. I want to see how this goes to end the season. You know, this is Kenny Pickett's, like, audition. He, you yeah. know, he needs to prove to the coaching staff, hey, 
I'm that I'm that guy, and I I'm, I'm gonna be way better now on without without Canada. And you trust me, you know you don't have to draft a guy going in, or you know maybe Falconer and Sullivan they get the job or something. But I I think they need to keep you know looking outside, obviously. But yeah. you know I'm overall encouraged, but I'm cautious. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Steven, let's ask this before we move on. One final question here. Is a two-coordinator system, uh, could that be a, could that be a long-term solution? Because there are a lot of people out there that, I mean, Ben reacted to it, said, what the hell's going on? Eddie Faulkner said it worked smooth. Is a two-coordinator situation. Can you see, I want, can it work? Can you see them actually doing it? I think it can work. I don't think it's ideal, though. Um, I don't think yeah. it's ideal to kind of put, you know, extra work on a position coach's plate. Um, I just like all the stuff we've talked about, I feel like is possible with a full-time offensive coordinator and, you know, uh, you know, Faulkner coaching the the running backs and Sullivan coaching the quarterbacks. Like we don't need, I don't know. I, I don't think you need to keep, keep this thing in place to continue to have, you know, collaboration between the entire offensive staff, which it seems like has really helped. So, um, is it workable? Yeah. I, I don't think it's ideal though. And I don't think it's really should be what the Steelers are looking for going forward. And I doubt, I doubt it is what they're really going to look at. I mean, even if they keep one of these guys in the job, I feel like it's going to be just one of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I just, I don't know. The Steelers do weird things all the time and you just watch them and you're just like, ah, it's just the Steelers. It, it just, would just feel kind of, not la- lazy might not be the right word, but just like a little bit of a cop out, you know, like doing the safe thing, the conservative thing. Uh, if they decide to keep these two in their current positions, like, you know, my common just... man, they just, yeah. he never lives in his fears, except yeah, for true, except, except for, for always when he does. Yeah. Yeah. Except <laughs> for when he does. And I could see that. Uh, I could see this being, but I agree. Like it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. And it just feels like a, this was the easiest route. Let's not yeah. upset anybody. Let's keep it going. But you know, you never know. With that said, they will coach their second game of the 2023 season, second game ever. This is a, uh, I don't know, we've hit, we've hit the point, I've hit the point in the week where yesterday I woke up, I went to my laptop, I, you know, I always like do a little search of the internet, just like make sure I didn't miss anything overnight. I'm, I'm an old man, so I go to bed, you know, a little earlier than most people, and I realized there are no, there's no news. I missed no news. Then I was like, all right, let's look at my list of, of news. And I went, oh, my list of news is empty. There's nothing left to put out there for people to read because there's nothing going on. Probably the most boring week somehow of the Pittsburgh Steelers season. We've hit this, but the Arizona Cardinals are coming to town and some are calling this a trap game. Some are calling this a possibility for the Pittsburgh Steelers to go on a run over these next two weeks build some momentum and really put themselves in a position to fight for not just the AFC North, but the AFC in general, Nick, let's start with you week 13. I keep calling it week 12, but week 13 Pittsburgh Steelers, Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray comes to town. James Connors return. Bow, bow, bow. Jonathan Gannon. What are your keys to victory in this bad boy? I would say it's keeping Kyler within the pocket. Like, Kyler, when it comes to, like, his deficiencies as a passer, mainly come from, like, not being able to see the middle of the field consistently. So, Drew Petzing has kind of, like, had to adjust his offense for Kyler, and it's almost been a downgrade in terms of design 
overall because it's a lot more sideline shots, a lot more deep shots, you know, things that Kyler is comfortable with. Um, I would be on the lookout potentially for them, you know, using him more in the run in the designed run game as that that's something they need to keep, you know, their heads on a swivel for the thing about the Steelers run defense um, in particular, when it comes to James Conner, the pat ever since Hayward came back, they have been ridiculously good at just maintaining the line of scrimmage. They've been extremely disruptive and they're getting good play out of their linebackers, even their safeties in every situation, like where they, they need their guys to, to hold up at the point of attack. Like guys are just doing their job. And it's so, it's so great to watch because coaches are going to be like in the film room and they're like, they're like excited just how well their guys are just doing their jobs. It's, it's an unselfish football team. And in that regard, I think limiting James Conner and keeping Kyler contained in the run game, that's how I think they need to win this game. And, you know, the deep vertical shots, you know, try to keep, you know, Rondale Moore under a lid. You know, Mika Fitzpatrick coming back is pretty significant in that regard. So yes. I'm pretty I'm pretty optimistic overall. I don't I don't want to say it's a trap game because I think the Cardinals as much as their record sucks, they've got some they've they've got some talent there. But yeah, they do. And Kyler Murray looked good for like half a game. You gotta remember he, that. He yeah, did look good. Yeah, I, I, I do I do remember that. But um I I don't think this is a trap game. I think Pittsburgh uh I think Pittsburgh will be ready. You almost dropped your score again. I I felt it. I felt this was back to back weeks. Nick dropping nope. an early score. Nope. <laughs> dropping an early score. All right. I agree. You know, Kyler's a dude that you got to protect. James Conner touched the ball six times last week, which is just like doesn't make any sense. I talked to Donnie yesterday on on a an extra podcast, and it, I mean, he was just like, it doesn't. It, it, everybody in Arizona was just sitting there like, did you forget James Conner exists, or do you just we're just done with this now? Yeah. But I agree. You got to stop the run. Steven, your keys to victory, week 13. See, I almost said 12 again. Week 13, Pittsburgh Steelers, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Well, I think it's going to come down to the red zone. I mean, Nick alluded to it a little earlier, but the Steelers only scored 16 points last week, and it felt like they left at least 10 on the field, you know? Yeah. Um, We're looking at this team a lot differently if they put up, you know, 26 points versus uh, just 16, and... I feel like it all came down to kind of executing the Renzo, not not stalling out, not settling for field goals and scoring touchdowns. And yep. to kind of go back to a point that Nick alluded to a little earlier as well, like this is a scrappy, yeah, we'll call them scrappy uh, <laughs> Cardinals team. Like they're going to make you sweat yep. a little bit. Um, they have to teams all year despite their record not being too great. So um, I, I think the Steelers can't really afford to let – Arizona hang around no don't let them think that that they're kind of in this game on the road that against the team that's in the playoff picture that they you know really have a chance um so I I think if you can finish off some touchdown drives especially early you can kind of put this game to bed and you can build yourself enough of a lead to kind of cruise to a victory even if your second half isn't great yeah yeah I'm gonna build off of that my keys to victory are, are a lot of the same the Cardinals have as bad as they are and as bad as their record is, they have been in a lot of tight games. They have held strong almost week after week. The Pittsburgh Steelers, like they this is an opportunity to kind of just like say, hey, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna let that happen here. And they have the defense to to stop that from happening. 
I'm not totally worried about the offensive side of the ball for the Arizona Cardinals, like the Steelers defense, especially if Arizona's without Hollywood Brown. Trey McBride looks like he's he. No, actually, I think he missed yesterday's practice, too. So that's two days in a row that they are without their top two receivers. This could be this could be a good day for the Steelers defense. Offensively, it's exactly what you said. Put it away. Just key to victory. Get this thing over with it. It is the most boring week of the season. That is what I cannot put any more emphasis on. Like as somebody who just, I mean, we are as engraved into this new system as possible. We, we know every head, we know every headline that shouldn't be a headline. We know everything we could possibly talk about when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers on a week to week basis. We have hit, it is Friday, Thursday morning. There was nothing left Friday. The gas tank is completely empty by Sunday there it will be drained because there's nothing exciting to talk about because this is the most boring matchup the Pittsburgh Steelers will have in the 2023 season and I'm not saying that that means it's going to be an easy game I'm just saying that it could be an easy game and it's up for the Steelers offense to put this one away early I would love to see Kenny Pickett go back to back drives that's the big thing if this offense could go score first drive second drive like it's over you know like at that point you have done enough where nobody is stressed out about the situation. The defense has a gap. You you've controlled. You now control the game. You now control the clock. You now control everything. It is in your hands. You don't have to stress the rest of the game. I think if you if you could put this one away early, things could go really smooth for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's on the offense because I don't expect the defense to have many struggles. With that said, I gave my score prediction yesterday. I'll give it again today at the end. But, Nick, we'll start with you. Week 13, I don't remember. I think we all got it right last week, although I think Nick was the closest score. Or no, you weren't on last week, two weeks ago. No, no, it was, uh, I got the 13-10. I got the teams wrong for the Cleveland. Yeah, for the Browns, that's what it was. That's what it was. So me and Steven walked out of here. Winners last week, we all got it wrong the week before. (laughs) So let's try to redeem ourselves here. Nick, we'll start with you. Your score prediction, week 13, Steelers-Cardinals. I don't know why I'm always so weird with my scored predictions, but I'm going to say like 24 to 16. Let's say we get an extra point miss in here somewhere. Like, I don't know. I could, I could, I could see something like that, you know, close enough, but not like a, you know, scratching nail biter, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. eight point game, you know, still one possession game. It's, it's possible. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but. I think Pittsburgh. What are you going here? What's your, what's your, I got, I got, I'm not good with math. Did you say 24, 14, 24, 16, 24, 16. Oh, okay. I like that a lot. Actually. I like that a lot. 24, 16 getting weird over here. The Steelers. I mean, Steelers games love to score. If you go back and look at them, they're all like, they're all weird numbers. Like there's never a game where it's just like 21 to 14. Never, never. So you could be onto something there. All right, Steven, your score prediction. Uh, I think it's going to be a little tighter than that. Steelers are still going to kind of be in control for the entire game, but I think it's still going to be a one-score game. I'm going 23-17. to 17. Um, What are we Steelers doing here, people? A few more points on the board, but, I mean, I think it's – I think this one's kind of tight. I think it. I think the Steelers have to sweat a little bit to win it, even though they kind of it, – it, it'll feel it'll feel like the Steelers are more in control than, than they probably actually are on the scoreboard. That's I'm 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 not even pointing to the tight games. I'm pointing to the we all have 20 point games here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What is going on here? I mean, and we did it last week and then it, and they still we did it last week. We got called out. Like if you go 
and look at at the tweets, at the Instagram comments, at the YouTube comments for the last uh, two weeks ago. We were good. Two weeks ago, everybody was like, "This is thirteen ten. That's a very logical sto- score for the good. Pittsburgh Steelers." Every time we go twenty points, everybody's like, "Are you like what do you what have you been watching?" Because it's not Pittsburgh Steelers football. I'm gonna I'm gonna round it off here with another twenty score. I'm going twenty four. 13 Steelers over the Cardinals. I mean, I was I was more high on Arizona yesterday, and then I talked to Donnie. We did the podcast, and by the end of the podcast, I was just like, so you're telling me that the Arizona Cardinals have nothing going on for them right now. This is this is good. I think the Steelers, they they look good in this one. I think this is the I think last week was the new OC game. This week is the were like the Steelers turn it around game because the end of the season for the Steelers was going to end up this way. Anyways, they were going to go on a run. They were going to find their way into the postseason. That's just what Mike Tomlin and a Mike Tomlin team does. I think this is the beginning of that with the new offensive coordinator. So it's a little bit of a gap 24, 13. I think it's a little bit, a little bit farther than, than both of you guys expect. Hopefully you're right. Cause I would, I would much rather a good game to watch than one where you're sitting there going, all right, well it's, 24 to 10 and there's three minutes left let's see if arizona could kick a field goal and somebody could get right nah, just... give me a blowout give, give me a blowout. you want to blow out all day huh yeah i know uh, uh they make it too close every single week like let's let's <laughs> let's, let's spruce it up a little bit as nick who, who somebody's sitting at home that's the difference you know i'm sitting in the press box just like fall trying not to fall asleep steven's next to me like waking me up like hey come on pal um and nick's at home just like let's go you got like 17 games on the tv we got. We're just sitting there, like, all right, let's go. So I feel that I've, I've now life of a life. Of, I get it. I get it. I hundred percent get it. As a Steelers fan, you need a little bit of a blowout, make some teams feel uh real good. With that, we're heading out of here, guys. Thank you, guys, so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash All Steelers Talk. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast. And as always, find all of our work at AllSteelers.com and our pit coverage at InsideThePanthers.com. Hopefully, Nick is right, and this is just a big blowout. Nobody's got to stress on Sunday afternoon, but hopefully we all walk away with some uh, some wins, score prediction-wise, in this one. Enjoy another beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.